welcome to Turns Out She's Psychic, the podcast. Spiritual musings, sometimes amusing. I'm Tracy. And I'm Laura. of Tracy's interview with Alan Tiller. He's truly fascinating with his paranormal background and his historical background, his work as a historian. It's all fascinating and it's great to be able to hear about more of his life and even advice he has for us little ghost hunters that are out there or even just the curious people like me. I'm not going to lie. Enjoy. I've got so many questions because when you're talking about genealogy, um, do, what is your what is your ancestry? Where where are you from? Like, what's your so on my dad's side, I've traced us back to uh, Cornwall. So mm-hmm. we're mainly Cornish. There's lots of Scottish and Irish in there as well. Um, on my mum's side, we actually go back to Germany, um, and there is a town. I can't think of what the town's called, but it's um, where we're from. There's a castle. So her surname anglicised is Plate, but at some point it was a different name. Like is I can't remember off the top of my head. It's like a German word that I can't pronounce anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um the city. There's a little city. Well, it's not. It's a city. It's kind of medieval. There's a little castle there, um, and that's where Mum's side of the family came from. So there's German, I believe there's Portuguese, um, on her side, but yeah, it's mainly German and mainly English. Um, there is a small chance that we may have indigenous blood as well. Um, so when the Tiller family came to South Australia, they came to a place, um, down South of Adelaide, and then they moved to a place called Malala, which is, um, about 20 minutes from where I am. Um, and if you ever go to Malala, um, I actually volunteer there at the museum. Um, there is tons of Tillers all around there and, there used to be a cricket match back in the late uh, 1800s, early 1900s, where there were two teams of cricket players and they were all tillers, both sides. <laughs> one that side many was of them. In, yeah, there was that many. And one whole um, team was Indigenous and they Ooh. were all Aboriginal people with the last wow. name Tiller. And we don't know exactly where they fit into the timeline and where they fit in the family tree because we can't find that one person. Um, we think it would be a woman more so than a man. Mm. Um, because, you know, you can trace the men so much easier and either someone had an affair or there's a wife that's not mentioned who maybe died in childbirth and then, you know. Or that, a stolen generation situation. Or, yeah, something like that. And then there's all this other branch of tillers. Um, so, unfortunately, at this stage, ancestry doesn't actually, um, in the DNA test, do Indigenous Australia. Oh, I know. And do you know I actually did mine mostly for that purpose to find out some suspicions yeah. that, I'm not the only one in my family that's had those suspicions. Um, and when I got the, not the results, but when I got the test that arrived and it said we cannot test for Aboriginality, and yeah. I was like, God damn it, that's the whole reason yeah. why I got the test. That comes down to that they haven't actually gone around and tested Indigenous people because um, you have to have like a sampling of basically DNA. Not, you say, well, DNA, but you need like a wide sampling. And if you think about the way the Indigenous community is set up in Australia, they're very broad. They're, you know, they covered the whole country. Yeah. And then you have all the different um, mobs. So, you know, here you have Naranjeri and Ghana and all these other mobs. And their DNA might not actually be exactly the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd have to have a big collection of each one of them to kind of match it up to us now. Um, and, yeah, it becomes a bit harder in the long run to do that. Mm. Um, I, I have been told that Ancestry is starting to look at um, Indigenous Australians and Maoris and Samoans. Cool. So they are starting to build up um, basically like a DNA register to start measuring that kind of stuff as well. So that should mm-hmm. be good when that actually comes out. Yeah, for sure. Well, I find out. I found out that I am... Um, like basically half Irish, half Scottish with a dash of Welsh and a dash of German. <laughs> and I was oh, like, boring. The other place that the Tillers are from is um, Sweden, so Vikings. Nordic. Um, and if you actually look up the name Tiller, it seems to originate in Sweden. Um, mm. And then they obviously the Vikings invaded Scotland, Ireland and England. 
um, and that seems to be when we came into Cornwall. So wow, uh, you're talking, so you know, cool. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Do you do you ever have um, an inclination to want to go to those places specifically oh, for your ancestors? Yeah, yeah. Um, a place called Fordingham Bridge seems yep. to be the epicenter, and that seems to be where the Vikings came through, um, the Tiller Vikings, and then spread out from there. Um, mm-hmm. So that's very high on my list. Um, and you know, I'd love to go to Finland just to experience Finland anyway. Um, you know half a year of darkness and half a year of light would be very interesting. I don't think I'd want to live like that though, but. I have a client, shout out to Isa. She is in Finland and they're literally just going in. I had a call with her. It was one o'clock my time and it was six o'clock her time. And she's like, it's pitch black right now. And I was like, really? What time is it going to get dark? She said, well, it's going to start to get dark until about eight in the morning and it'll be dark by four. And I was like, whoa, oh, yeah. that's crazy. Um, my husband did his DNA. Um, and yeah, he's Vikings as well, which was no surprise because he just looks like right. a Viking. <laughs> and and Vic, the Vikings, um, people always think about history about Rome. Rome took over, you know, such a huge part of Europe. But then the Vikings came after the Romans and they did more. They they actually traveled really far. They ended up in America, believe it or not. There is actually Viking DNA found in the USA in Indigenous America. Crazy. And that's how far they got down to. Roanoke, where the, the you know I don't know if you watch American Horror Story and that little no. American settlement. No, you haven't seen that show. Um, it was a little American settlement that all the people disappeared. They just vanished. They don't know what happened to them. Um, and it's a true story. But when they were doing DNA tests around there, they actually found Vikings um, all the way over there, and people didn't know they'd gotten that far. Yeah, it's bizarre. Wow, that is so cool. Very, very cool. Well, I um, did watch documentary and I've never been able to find that documentary since. So I don't, I know I watched it and I know it was very real. I didn't dream it, but um, there was, uh, it was based on a certain witch hunt story um, where it was going back to the burning of the witches um, and the specific trail that they were following led it back to the very first witch that was burnt um, in that particular place has my maiden name. We share oh, the same okay. maiden name. And so when right. I when I saw that, I was like, I freaking knew it. I knew <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, um, I'm actually studying uh, history at university at the moment, and two of my core subjects are all to do with witchcraft in medieval times. Um, so, so it covered cool. all of your, yeah, it covered um, all Finland, Sweden, um, Germany, England, got right into the hammer of the witches and all that stuff. Um so, yeah, learned quite a lot about witchcraft. Um, and that's Very led cool. me into a, a thing called um, apotriatic marks, which is a technical term for protection against witches. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the Pennsylvania Dutch in America. Yes. They have big barns and they they paint these big flower symbols on them. Mm-hmm. So those flower symbols have a meaning and generally it's to keep things, evil things out. Um, but what's really interesting is that there's a whole core group of people now who are uh, um, academics who are researching this. So in English churches, you'll actually find apotriatic marks scratched into the walls. Wow. And there's a gentleman here in Australia, in Sydney, who is actually investigating it in Tasmania. Um, And we have them all over the place in Australia. So when I eventually get to the point where I'm going to be doing my thesis, um, I'm planning on following on his work in Australia, um, looking into this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's very, so very, cool. interesting. very interesting. Um, things like, um, I've come across, there's a town here called Wallaroo in South Australia, old Cornish mining town. And there's a story that I found on Trove, which is the national library's website of all the old newspapers. And in this story, they were pulling down this house and in the chimney, they found a boot and the boot had an ox heart inside it and iron nails put through it. Of and that's it an apotrate. Yeah, so it's an apotreic mark. It is a mark of, of, it's more of an object actually. And yeah. they used to stick it in the chimney and that was to stop negative energy coming through the chimney. Wow. So it has an explanation. So that's why they did it. Um, and same as um, people used to wear red ribbons to keep the witch away. Yeah. You know, that that's an apotreic um, object as well. So there's this whole, you know, thing that people don't even know about. Um, the Greek evil eye, the blue symbol, that's another one. And um, that's an ancient one. Um, yeah, so there's, they're all over the place. Um, strange little things like little burn marks like done with a candle on the wood of um, your front door or over your window. 
you see little burn marks sometimes and they are apotreic marks to keep evil out of your house so when when you say evil so the pennsylvanian dutch are you saying that they believe that witches are evil not so much witches are evil um because witches can be good or bad as we know but it's more so about negative energy um so the negative when, witches. when you say yeah <laughs> it's to keep bad it's keep bad bad energy out bad people bad energy they yeah. they say witches but you know it can mean anything really okay. you don't want negative stuff you don't want curses um a classic thing here in south australia there's a town called Harndorf, which is a German settlement and it had a good witch and a bad witch, Yellow Fox, and she lives in a house that had apotraic objects in it and she also found a boot in her chimney just like the one in Wallaroo and she found it by accident. And um, she she worked in a place called the Harndorf Academy, which was it was still there. It's a school. It used to be a school. Now it's an art gallery. Um, and she always knew about the good and the bad witch, but she didn't know where the bad witch lived. And she was in there one day um, and a gentleman named Hans Heisen, a very famous here artist, had drawn, drawn all these pictures of houses in Harndorf. And she was just looking at them one day and she took one off the wall and looked at the back and it said the Black Witch's house and it had the address. So she now knew where the, the, the Black Witch was. Yeah. Turns out she lived in the White Witch's house and she still does today. She's in her early oh. 80s by now. Um, she lives in the White Witch's house. So, and she has all the history. So I'm going to be talking to her very soon to um, try and find out a bit more of that for my future thesis. So, Oh, yeah, my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> we have a podcast, a sister podcast called Turns Out She's She's a Witch mm-hmm. that, that I'm a co-host with. When you do that, will you come on and talk to yeah, us sure, about yeah, it? Yeah, oh, sure. my God, yeah. our listeners are going to freak out and geek yeah. out. Like, that's so cool. I love that stuff because Shannon, my co-host, she... Um, we, we just did an episode a few months ago on um, the history of the burning of the witches and um, I didn't actually know that um, I in my life, I lived in Queensland in 2000 and, oh, 2001, 2002 mm-hmm. and I was only a couple of years shy of being illegal like it's against the law for someone who identifies as a psychic medium to 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 exist. It's against the law, okay. and it's like in two thousand, like in what in my lifetime. Yeah. And so she took me through. I can't even remember them now, but she took me through. I think even the Northern Territory. I'm probably wrong, but in the Northern Territory, I don't think it actually was the law was actually abolished until like two years ago. Well, we have a law that still stands today that if someone gives a false reading, you can report them to the police and they can go to jail for it. So if you're, <laughs> if you're a psychic and you give a false reading and you can't prove that your reading is true, you can still go to jail. Holy moly. uh, I actually have a blog post about it called Trading in Sorrow, and that's all about that. And that still stands. It hasn't been abolished. Whoa. Be careful if you come here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's really interesting is that as a professional, we have to have in our terms and conditions, which everyone has to agree to before they book, and you should have that Mm -hmm. if you're a professional, you know what you're doing. Um, In our terms and conditions, we, we are strongly advised by legal counsel to have in there that this is for entertainment purposes only. And a lot Which, of that applies to ghost hunting too. Yeah, and it sucks, yeah. obviously, yeah. because, uh, like, basically you're calling me a complete fake if if you think that this is is just entertainment. Yeah. It, and, but you know what? It's not my point to prove and it's not my bone to pick because... No, and it's really just legal jargon, just to cover yourself, really. It is, correct, absolutely. So... Um, very quickly, do you have any tips for any, apart from that equipment tip that you had, do you have any other quips for any, any tips for any <laughs> budding kind of up and coming investigators? Um, tips. Now there's different ways to investigate and some people like to go into places with no knowledge of the place, um, which is fine. And that generally works for psychics not to go in knowing anything yeah. at all. I was going to say that's, that's um, kind of how I choose. Yeah. And a lot of people do it that way. But my, me personally, I prefer to know everything I can know about the place. Um, it helps verify things that I'm looking for. And the problem that it creates though is if 
you're not aware of your own bias, you will create your yeah, own you're narrative. seeing what you want to see. That's right. So even though I say to people, research what you can, you have to become very much aware of your own bias and what is and what is not paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, Great point. And that can take a long time to work those things out, what, what you're biased about. And a lot of people don't want to do that because it's very confronting. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to know about your bad points and your bias can be a bad point. Um, other things is know how your equipment works, obviously. Like I said before, do your research. Make sure you know exactly how it works because um, people don't realise just little tiny things like I quite often hear people say, oh, I went to a cemetery at 3 a.m. and my camera turned off and then I walked back out the gates and my camera turned on. And I always say to them, you do realise at 3 a.m. temperature drops. Batteries actually stop to stop working as well in cold temperatures. But what people do is the camera stops working because the batteries are too cold. They then keep the camera in their hand, warms the camera up. They get back out the gate, hit the on button again, turns on because it's warmed back up. Yeah, there's so, so many factors to consider there, to rule out, to debunk yeah, it. there's so much stuff you have to rule out. My biggest tip, though, is always put a camera on a tripod. Um if you're in a room, if you're not walking around a building, because a lot of people just walk around continuously, but if you're just in a room, just, you know, if you're doing it by yourself or with someone else, always have a camera in the corner looking back at you. So you can see when you're making noises that you might not notice while you're sitting there. So mm-hmm. um, I sometimes wear a big black coat and, you know, to keep me warm. But that coat, as I move, sometimes makes little noises that I don't necessarily hear with my ear because I'm not paying attention, but my camera will pick that movement up. And if I should also say, if you have a camera in the corner, also timestamp everything. So before you start, look at your watch. If anything has a counter on it, make all the counters the same so that you know that that's the exact time. If anything's happening while you're investigating, um, don't whisper, obviously. People often whisper in ghost hunts. Don't ever whisper. Just talk. Just be loud. Be who you are. Talk. Because whispers, there's no point in whispering. No. It's like, and, who are you whispering for? <laughs> and that may come up on someone else's voice recorder and they'll go, oh, something's whispering, but it was you. So just talk. But timestamp everything. So if you're sitting there and you're there for 10 minutes and 48 seconds and you hear a truck go past, say that was a truck going past. And you'll know that on the camera that at that time on your voice recorder is the same and you've said it out loud. Yep. We heard the um, truck go past and we may have then also at some point, we might not have seen it, but there could be a light anomaly at that point that we can right. and put to the truck. You've, you've now made a timestamp within your recording and you know that that's what that noise is. Yeah. Otherwise, if you don't do that, you might hear just the rumble and go, wow, what was that? Like, that's amazing, but it's just a truck going past. Yeah, um, and I so- find that that's one of those really, it's a good way that if you're watching, like, I don't know if you would agree, but whenever I watch some investigative shows um, that are Americanized, um, the the ones that I really appreciate is when they break up in teams and as the minute that they experience something that could be something, they immediately radio over to the, the team and just say, where are you? What are you doing? They eliminate every possibility before they even consider what it could have been. And just completely debunk everything because as an investigator, as an amateur investigator, I'm a very much an amateur investigator because I'm a psychic medium, not a paranormal investigator. They're two very different Mm -hmm. things. But as someone who likes to go and do those things, um, you're, you're wanting to experience something. And so your excitement and the, the kind of like, oh my God, this is what happened to me. And then, and then all of a sudden that's the story for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't seen it happen yet and I don't quite know how you'd go about it, but I'd really love to see at some point in the future some kind of GPS system put on each individual investigator on a TV show. So I say Haunting Australia, for example, I have a GPS on me that's marking exactly where I am. Raylene has one, Ian has one. On the screen you could have a map of, let's say, Adelaide Arcade and you know exactly where we are at all times. Mm. The only problem with that is the GPS. I don't know if a signal would affect mm. the equipment. If it does, I mean, obviously you can't do it, but it'd be a fantastic way to rule out that you're not filming someone else from your own show or from your own investigation, you know, who've walked past the doorway and you've filmed yeah. it and gone, oh, my God, i got a shadow. You look it's back on the GPS and go, oh, no, that's... Rule out. Yeah, you know, it's a way. But yeah. I just don't know. 
you know, there's probably someone with a bigger brain than me out there who could figure it out. Um, but it'd if be anyone's cool listening, yeah, get out there and make that happen. <laughs> what What's your opinion on taking a psychic medium to an investigation? Um, I'm not a big psychic person um, because it's not I don't have anything against anyone who's psychic or anything like that. I have worked with a lot of psychics. Unfortunately, I have worked with a lot of bad psychics who turned <laughs> out to be, to be not nice people in the end. Um, and I'm not talking about Raylene or Ian or anyone no, like that. Raylene's um, amazing. Sold of the yeah, earth. Other, other psychics. Um, and unfortunately, that's tainted me a little bit. Mm. Um, but I have no problems working with psychics. Sometimes psychics give really good, valid, um, not, it's not an opinion, is it? It's a valid insight. explanation. Yes, insight would be a good word. Um, you know, you can see things I can't see or you might hear things I can't hear. And then that validates what I'm getting on my equipment or um, on a couple of occasions it's validated history that I I know about that I haven't told anyone about. Um, even though I write books and I put a lot of history into the books, sometimes there's just one or two lines that I won't put in so that I know about something that I've been told that I won't tell the psychic about and they can't look it up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I did that on Haunting Australia. Um and there was one one really specific thing that happened with Ian Lawman that never made the show. It happened with Ian and my wife um, in the North Kapunda Hotel. Ian was in the basement and he was picking up on uh, a guy named Charlie and a little dog. And I knew nothing about this at all, um, but my wife did. And mm. she actually had to ring her her boss because she used to work there years ago. So and she was still in touch with the person she worked with. Um, rang her, got the actual story, and Ian had got the whole thing correct. And there was absolutely no way he, he could have known. Not, not a single, there was, you know, it's not written down anywhere. Um, it was from probably 10 to 12 years before Haunting Australia even filmed there. So, you know, there's absolutely wow. no way. There's no rumours about this person. Um, yeah. Karen didn't even know some of the details that Ian was putting out, but it just never made the show. And, you know, that's a good psychic, someone who something out that then got verified. It would have been fantastic to be in the show being verified, but unfortunately, you know, shows have run times and editing and all that stuff. So they yeah. just didn't. In. Yeah. Yeah. I think like growing up, um, like I was quite young when um, the show came out, the one, do you remember that show? Oh, Where yeah. They, yeah. 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 And um, I, it was kind of at the time when I was really, um, really in hiding about who I was and what I could do. Um, but it was so bizarre because a lot of the people that tried out for that show and as I would watch it, um, I would just know the ones that were just there for uh, they got no hope. And then yeah. I would know the ones that were were legit. And um it, it kind of put more fear into me to be seen in this space because it, it, it was like, wh why? We are very judged. We're very judged and you've got to have some serious gumption. And I see my thing is though that I don't, I don't ever, I don't look at it as to prove that what I'm saying is correct. I just want to let the place, the energy and the spirits tell me what they're telling me and I want to relay it and whatever it is, it is. My preference is to have no knowledge of a place before I go in. For an investigation, my preference is to get the address right before I go, like the least amount of time. But I also have the integrity where even if I got the address earlier, I'm not going to look. I don't want to know because for me, I want to perform at my best. I want to get the best out of the history of this place and I want to do it from a spiritual place, not a human place. And I, I, I sometimes watch some shows where they will do an investigation and then they'll have a psychic medium come in and have apparently no idea. They've been blindfolded. They don't know they're going to the location. If they do or not, I don't know. But some things and some of the stories, like some of the shows that you watch, some of them get it so bang on that you're like, really, did you know or yeah. not know? Like it's yeah. a little bit questionable. You're, you're questioning it even for me. But um other times they get the psychic medium to go first yeah. 
and then they get the investigators to come in and the psychic medium will say, I've been here before or I only know the basic history of this place, but then they're able to get specific encounters with specific personalities of spirits that aren't really talked about in great degree. Like I know Parramatta Jail, but I don't know the spirits that lurk in there. What I know is that as a very, very young child, my maternal grandfather would show me photos of prisoners that either killed themselves or were murdered in their cells. And I am convinced those souls are waiting for me. Convinced. And I will, they are burnt into my brain that I know when I see them that that is who that is. I don't know their names. I don't know why they were there. I don't even know what happened to them. And I don't want to know. It's like, it's like the less I know, the better. Yep. So I totally understand because I'm the same. I have I have my skeptic mind when it comes to psychic mediums as well. And if I didn't experience it, I probably wouldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah. nah, I don't know. There's a lot of guessing going on there. In fact, my husband, we have a running joke that every day after I get home from work, he will say to me, did you do good guessing today? I'm like, oh. <laughs> because I just, it, you know, you got to have a bit of humour about it. Yeah. Um, going back to your your tip tips for people, yeah. um, something to think about for anyone who who wants to be a ghost hunter or be in the public eye as a psychic is to really think long and hard if you want to be associated with that particular terminology, mm-hmm. because ghost hunter brings certain certain type of people will always doubt you, will mm-hmm. always think you're crazy. Um, Tinfoil hats. And- Yes, tinfoil hat, and you really need to consider if you want that to be attached to your name forever. Mm-hmm. Um, other people think it's fantastic, but there's always, you know, it's like anything, there's people on one side of the fence and people on the other side of the fence, you know, yeah. and you just have to consider that will it affect, you know, your family life, um, will it affect your work because it can affect your work. Um, people always view you differently if you're, you know, a ghost hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, because it has certain connotations to it and people have their own bias about what it means and what ghost hunters do. Um, so, yeah, just that's just another little tip to consider that, I love that before you start making it public that that's what you're doing. It's wonderful. I called that stage coming out of the psychic closet because mm-hmm. um, I had to get to the point where the calling was greater than the, than the voices silencing and I kind of didn't yeah. have a choice. My story is quite a long story, but... Um, in the end, I had to, I had to reach in and have just my internal compass of authenticity and just be like, I'm just going to be me and whatever anyone has a problem with it, that's, that's about them, not on me. I know who I am and I know what I am and I know how I do it and that's it. Um, but it is a big call, you know, like when, when you hear sometimes the, of the smaller minds that are like, you believe in ghosts, what are you? One of those tinfoil hat people. And it's like, Just because I believe in ghosts doesn't mean that I believe in every conspiracy theory known to men or aliens. No, that's and just right. because I'm that's a psychic right. medium, it doesn't mean I'm a witch or believe in aliens or, or, or you know, all these different things. Yeah. It's We're yeah. kind of all lumped into the one big basket, we are. aren't we? It's crazy. But, we yeah. but within our basket, we have very individual experiences. That's like, right. Yeah. I am not a paranormal investigator. I am first and foremost a psychic medium who likes to go on investigations and experience it from a psychic medium perspective. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It is a big, bad world out there, but I love that it's actually becoming a lot more because of the American shows, as much as I love to hate them, um, be, it's becoming a lot more mainstream and that children are growing up, teenagers are growing up with that's just being the normal. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely changed in the last probably 10 years. Um, it's definitely become more mainstream. Dark tourism, which is all your ghost hunting, has become, I actually think it's the third most popular type of tourism in the world now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's definitely moved from where it was out of the shadows, becoming more into the mainstream at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I just watched a Netflix special that's on at the moment, um, not a special, a series on, and it's something about, it's a vacation show where they go to all these different locations and they do a budget version, a middle version, an expensive yes. version. Is that the one where they went to the little UFO place? Oh, uh, yeah, and um, then the haunted house. And the Bigfoot, yeah, and the Bigfoot house. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, and they talk about dark tourism and and they said that. They're like, it is like one of the top three searches 
right now on Google to go to for a vacation. And I was like, yes, yes, it's becoming more mainstream. I'm becoming normal. I never thought it would happen, (laughs) but I'm becoming normal. Um, One thing that I like we have definitely heard come from you today is your love of history. And I just, I have never thought about this before, but when I read up on your bio and your media kit and everything preparing for this interview, um, it said that you are the world's first paranormal historian in residence at a library anywhere, really. And (laughs) I was just like, oh my God, let me bow to your feet. Like that (laughs) is incredible how can you tell me how that came about was it something that you had to sort of rally for or was it something that someone came to you and said hey we need this like I said earlier things fall in my lap yeah um it's not something that I search for um I believe it come around because I released a book in 2014 and a librarian had come across it in where she used to work and then she started working in a place here called the city library which is in Adelaide um and a person had passed away and they'd left um, a large amount of money to go to towards history residencies and no one has really had really used that money for anything and she thought why don't we try something different and let's get someone in to, to talk about you know ghosts and hauntings in the city of Adelaide oh my god um, it's like an angel and she remembered my name and she contacted me and um, within about four weeks I was in the city library for about six months the first time as the I was there every Wednesday um, all day on a Wednesday and people could come in and tell me their ghost story and I would document it and then I'd go and research it um, 40 of those stories ended up on the library catalog so if you're ever in South Australia or if you jump on what's called the one card network here I think you'd be able to access it from interstate you see 40 stories in the city of Adelaide that I've researched and put up um, so yeah, I ended up doing it for three consecutive years for about three to six months each year. So I had to try and fit it in with my other work and with study and all that kind of stuff. Um, and believe it or not, I actually work as a librarian now at the point when I started doing that residency, I actually wasn't working. Um, I'd actually had a back injury and I was trying to think of what should I do. And while I was sitting in the library, I thought, I could be alive. <laughs> so cool. To um, TAFE and got trained as a librarian residency and that environment. Uh, second time and used the, the ghost stories um, that I picked up. So it was supposed to be centred just on the city of Adelaide, which isn't a very big area, which is about... I believe it's about a 10 to 12 hour drive to Adelaide and they drove all the way to Adelaide to see me once to give me some ghost stories. So I've kept those ghost, ghost, those ghost stories and they'll eventually be used somewhere along the line. I got their permission to do so. Um, so the second time around I went back in and did it again. And this time I wrote five ghost tours for the city of Adelaide council and for the library and the public got to vote on which one they thought was the best and that became the Adelaide Ghosts and Ghouls walking tour, which is a free tour. So it starts in the city library where I had my residency, um, and it finishes in the North Adelaide Library where I would share. I shared my residency between the two. So one week I'd be at the Adelaide one, the second week I'd be at North Adelaide. So different people could, you know, find time to come in and have a chat. Um, so yeah, the tour goes from one to the other. Takes about two hours. I think there's 13 stops from memory. Um, and yeah, it's free and it's a downloadable tour. Um, so they actually got me back in and they got a sound recordist in and we recorded audio of me telling you the whole story and where to walk through the city and what to look out for. And so people can download it and, you know, walk through Adelaide. And I'm telling you, this is where you've got to go now, you know. So you walk through the Adelaide Arcade and then you walk along Grenfell Street and, yeah, and there's tons of stories. Um, and then that eventually led to me writing a new book, this one right here. Mm-hmm. Haunted Adelaide. Yep. That's the Adelaide Arcade right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this actually has more stories than what I actually got from the residency. It's got 79 stories instead of 40. So I kept carried on that research. I just kept going after I finished my residency. Um, and that became that book. Um, 
there's a few stories though that I couldn't put in the book because they're still actively being investigated by the police. So the haunting itself, I have a really good witness, um, someone I trust in most of those cases. I trust them very much. I know that they're not going to lie to me. But what happened in the city and, um, yeah, I can't really explain it because if I explain (laughs) it, it'll give give away too much. But one of them is still very active. It's actually in the courts right now. Um, And so the victim is seen, felt, heard where what happened to them happened um, yep. and this person worked there afterwards and saw exactly what had happened in person this ghost did what and multiple people working in this office block saw and felt yep. what happened in a replay every anniversary of that event um so and they still are cool. today but because it's still in the courts at the moment i can't talk yeah. about it and the, the family are alive i don't want to you know yep. cause them any more trouble or anything um but yeah it's super interesting um but i can't wait to hear about that one that's just an excuse for another book well yeah i've already um there's a couple of other places that i couldn't get the stories how i wanted them to be in that the history didn't quite match up but i've now been back and investigated those places um one of them is a theater and it's a very famous theater in adelaide um and now i actually have first-hand experience of the the haunting in that theatre because I've actually been in there um, and talked to the owners and got all their stories. So there will be a follow-up book. I have enough stories now to do a Haunted Adelaide Part 2, but it'll be a long way off before it happens because I have a about six books on the go at the moment. Um, I've got to finish <laughs> one of them before I publish that one. So, you know, And I'm you're at university. And I'm at uni and I work and I've got a family and everything else. So, you know, try and fit it in somewhere. Yeah. Um, do you ever just have moments where you just have to pinch yourself? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I said, like Haunting Australia fell into my lap. I wasn't looking to do TV. I was almost going to quit paranormal and being in the public eye at that point. I'd had enough. Um, I was being bombarded by people who don't like me, as you do. Um, we're very you know, easy to of, point the finger at. We're very easy to yeah, hate. Yeah, people, a lot of people don't like me. Fair enough, you don't have to like me. I'm not Why do you think that is? Um, Jealousy. A large part of it is jealousy. Definitely is jealousy. Um, I kind of came out of nowhere and into locations that people thought that was their territory. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of of the opinion of no one has territory and I still believe no one has territory. Yeah. No, we're all just people on this planet. You don't own any of these locations. You're not the new guy in town. No, and, you know, people don't like up-and-coming people. Of course. Um, especially when you make big waves in the way that I did, which wasn't, you know, wasn't my doing. You know, yeah, like I said, I wasn't trying to be intentionally. No, no, I wasn't. Just doing you. Um, oh, I was just, you know, here's something. Do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I'll yeah. do it. And then, yeah. obviously, that caused waves and people didn't like it. And, yeah, you know, I'm well, still here. The, still opportunities happen for real. They, they happen for real people and they happen for people who aren't looking for it just as much as they happen for people who put themselves out there and say, yes, me first. You know, it it's um, especially in this industry because it is very energetically based, you know. this It's, it's just not just human going on here. There is no. stuff happening. And things happen for a reason. Correct. And you don't always know what that reason is. Until, uh, until later, uh, much That's later. That's right. Years and years later. Um, for instance... Uh, I met Gaurav Tiwari through the internet yeah. um, and that was around 2009. He just had his first paranormal experiences. Um, he thought that I, at that point um, I was back in Adelaide, but he thought I was still up in Brisbane and he asked me to investigate a family member's haunting for him. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually in Adelaide and that's 24 hour driving away. It's a bit far, <laughs> but he didn't know. Um, and we got talking and, you know, he's the reason I did Haunting Australia. And we become very good friends and obviously he passed away. Um, but we I recently was invited to write the introduction and part of a chapter of a book, um, which is right here, which is about his life. What and an it honour. Honors, it honours Garav's life, um, which was the point of the book. And, you know, that's leading to a whole heap of things happening in India at the moment with... Um, 
his team and people that have, you know, his, there's basically a cult coming up in India around his life and what he did over there because he was the first Indian paranormal investigator. It's crazy. Um, and, you know, this book, like I said, kind of came out of nowhere. I knew about it. I knew what they were up to, um, but I didn't expect that I would be invited to write anything. I don't have that expectation. Um, but they knew that I've been trying to keep his name out there and keep his memory alive um, for my own reasons. Um, and, yeah, like I said, things just fall in my lap, and that was another thing that fell in my lap. And that book at the moment, which really surprises me, is the number one best-selling book in India on Amazon at the moment. Um, and it's in the top 10 world list as well, which, you know, absolutely amazing that he so still has cool. that impact um, to be people want to read about his life. So hopefully that yeah. continues. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. And you know yeah. what? And it's places like this where you just share it and it spreads it to more people and it's just the way it works. You just got to keep yeah, sharing yeah. it. And um, it is actually a great book. They did yeah. a really, really good job. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, get went it. Through his, went through his case files and um, you're basically reliving a lot of what he went through. Yeah, it's very interesting. Just for our listeners, we're going to put all of this in the show notes as well so you'll be able to find out all of Alan's books that he's t- spoken about and his tours <laughs> and the links to them as well will be included. Um, would If someone came to you and said, hey, Alan, do you want to do another TV show, would you? I don't know. I don't know if I could give the yes or a no answer that easily. I would have to think about it long and hard and it would very much depend on who else was in the show, who was producing the show, and exactly what they wanted from me. Yeah. Um, I learned some very valuable lessons through TV. I bet you did. Yes, very valuable. And I do try and help people who are looking to do that, um, looking to go down that path, because television is a whole different beast, um, and it's not always pleasant, and it's Be a lot of hard work. careful what you wish for. Exactly. Very mm-hmm. careful. Um and, you know, I'm kind of glad in some ways that Haunting Australia, although it went all around the world, it's still not going. If it was going 10 years later, I don't know where I would be. Yeah. And I'm not an egomaniac. I, I don't like the spotlight that much. Um, you know, I always said um, I'd prefer the money than the fame. Fame <laughs> is not fun. <laughs> fame is not fun. Um, I have had stalkers. Yeah. Um, we we had to leave Kapunda because of stalkers, um, being the only tillers in the town. People found That's out where crazy. we lived. Oh yeah, we used to get phone calls at three a.m. We're in Kapunda. Can you come and investigate? And I'm like, I've got to go to work in three hours. Um, so yeah, we kind of quietly moved on. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's a whole another side of television that people don't even consider that. You know, people become obsessed, and we're in a field where it attracts people. Some people with you know, mental health issues and things like that. Yeah. And unfortunately, part of, part of that can be the dark side of what we do where yeah. those people become obsessed with us and those kind of things. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of hate thrown around TV world as well. So it's not yeah. always what people fame is not always what people think it is. No, it's it very difficult. No, nah, it's, it's a lot. It is. And, you know, I have never gotten used to walking down the street even today and people will come up and they know me. I know you from this show and they think they know who you are and all that, but they only know the person that's presented on the show, mm-hmm. which is a very one-dimensional person, you know, and that's I've never gotten used to people recognising me. It's still bizarre to me. It's that crazy. People want to, you know, out of nowhere, that oh, I've seen you on this show and I've read your books and I know yeah. this. And I know like, who you are. <laughs> yeah, and you don't know who you are, you know, and I used to run tours. So I'd run, you know, have 50, well, 30 people on a tour every Friday and Saturday night. So I've met probably thousands of people. You don't and then remember TV them? Show, who knows? Oh, you, you can't remember everyone. No. You'd be the same. Psychics mm-hmm. can't remember everyone. No, you I remember. remember yeah, well, that's what I remember. I usually remember the spirit's energy that I'm connecting to before I remember the human. I remember the spirit. Yeah. I'm like, I've been, I've connected to you before. Oh, I've actually worked for you before. But, I yeah. mean, I've not been on television to do what I do and I'm not sure that I would want to at this point. But um, just even in my local area, um, like I went and did a click and collect literally like a week ago with a mask on and yep. wearing like I was basically wearing a tracksuit. It might have actually been pyjamas that I was trying to pull off as a tracksuit, but 
I had no makeup, no hair, like just hair pulled back in a pony, wearing my daggy's clothes, had my face mask on. And the lady asked me what name to click and collect. And I said my name. And this lady shot out from the front of the, the line that had already given the name that was waiting for the order to come up. And she's like, are you Tracy Dimmick? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And she goes, hi. And I'm like, thinking to myself, oh, do I know this person? Do I know this person? And they're just like, yeah. oh, I listen to the podcast and I do this and I do that. And I'm like, oh, cool. And it's just such an yeah. awkward yeah. experience. Like I'm just doing my click and collect on a Father's Day yep. Sunday. Oh, I and know it's the like, feeling. I, even, even to this day, I'll be walking through a shopping centre and someone will call out Alan and I don't think they're talking <laughs> to me. So I'm ignoring them because I'm, they're not talking to me. I don't recognise the voice. And they? then they come over and I'm like, oh, sorry, you were talking to me. Whoops. It's so <laughs> awkward. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah. And we come across as the, as the like, I, I used to, I don't so much anymore, but I used to get so anxious or not anxious is the wrong word, but I used to get very much in my head thinking about, oh, they must think that I'm the biggest snob or they yeah. must think that I'm an absolute bitch. But it's just because I'm doing my everyday thing. And when someone smiles yep. and waves at you and you're like, yeah, I don't know you. And then you think, oh shit, they probably know me from this. Or they've probably seen my face on the internet yep. or they've probably seen yep. an ad or whatever. And then you just think, oh, they must just think that I am the rudest, most horriblest person in yep. the world. Yep. It happens it's to not me worth all it. the time. Yeah. No, I, you know, someone's looking at you and I kind of, they'll wave and I'm looking over my shoulder. They're waving at me like... Yeah. And then you realise, oh, oh crap. <laughs> and the are. other thing, I don't know about you, but the other thing too is that I experience is that like in, in my job and in my role, I am very confident. But as a person by myself, I'm, act, I'm actually an introvert. I oh actually, my. yeah, oh and most of us are. Oh, most yeah. of us are very yeah. private and um, we're not going to be the first one to come up and say, hi, I'm Tracy. We're yeah. going to just kind of be the one that waits for everyone else to introduce because we're actually quite, I'm not shy, but I'm an introvert. I, I will sit and wait for everyone else to talk and I actually sit there and, and watch people. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not that I'm being rude or I'm being arrogant. I learn about people just by watching how they interact. with. And I'll just stay there quietly sitting in the corner until I warm yeah. up to them and then I'll start talking. <laughs> but I'm yeah. very much introverted. And yeah. people always ask me, do you get nervous doing this, doing that? Yeah, I get really nervous, full-on nervous. Yeah. You know, and it's once I start, I'm fine. It yeah. kind of like clicks. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, you know, even talking to just talking to people in the street who are fans makes me nervous sometimes just because I'm that introverted. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what, what do I say to this person? Like yeah. they're expecting, you know, Alan Tiller from Haunting Australia, but that's <laughs> not who I am. Alan know? Tiller. <laughs> You're they just expect like, you yeah, to be hi. this, you know, big bold person, but you know, I'm kind of like, I just want to go home, like, yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and pay for my groceries and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sit on the couch and eat ice cream. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's just really interesting how people have that idea of how different we must be compared to them yeah. when we're, we're we're actually the most average people ever. It's just that yeah. we we're just really good at what we do and we and we we speak about it for some reason. And most of us never really chose to do it. Like it's no. it's just happened yep. to us. Yep. Yep. Um so um I have two more questions left for you because this has gone yep. way longer than what I thought. But I don't know about you, but I've loved this. I feel like I've no, met some. Yep. Yeah, it's just like, oh, <laughs> you're my new best friend. Joking. <laughs> you're not really. <laughs> I know when people say that to me, I'm like, oh. Um, two things. One, have you ever been to Mount Gambier Jail? I have. I actually, believe it or not, stayed there for my honeymoon. So wow. when was that? Uh, now I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> 20, 2013. 2013 okay. to 2012. I always forget. We have an ongoing joke because we always forget our anniversaries, both of us. Um, but we stayed there for two nights. Yeah. Um, because it's basically a hotel now. Yes. Um, we investigated while we were there. Mm -hmm. And we uh, where we slept, because it's kind of split in half. So one side mm -hmm. of it is for your backpackers. Yep. And the other side are like little private suites and they've kind of opened the rooms up a little bit bigger. But where we stayed... Behind us was like a wall and a little garden bed, and that's actually where people were buried that yes. had been hung. Um, so we didn't have anything major happen to us that I can remember anyway. Um, I would still have my investigation notes on my computer somewhere, 
um because i always keep everything but yeah it's very interesting place um there's only three people hung there but the condemned man cell which is over near the gallows um is super haunted and when i walked up to it i was just buzzing with electricity from it so i knew something was going on in there but nothing came up on the voice recorders nothing come up on the cameras but you could tell definitely something in that condemned man cell have you been there yourself um, so the current owners and uh, people who run it, um, the the woman Melissa, um, she's a client of mine, and oh, okay. um, yeah, it, it, her story is very interesting, extremely interesting, and I'm going to be interviewing her next week for the podcast to come in a couple of weeks, um, but. Her her story and her history behind it, I think, would intrigue you till the cows came home. It is a very intriguing story and she's had to come to terms because she's got a very colourful human life experience with her family, but the, the jail actually has a huge family link to her, which she didn't know oh, until she started, right. until she... Yep came to work there and the story is incredible like I get blown away but she gets blown away by it and it just keeps coming and coming and coming so I would strongly advise you to reconsider going back to there and and learning the history that this woman Melissa could share with you because it's it's next level right well so um one of my team members actually lives in Mount Gambia Jade um and we are planning on going back down there at some point. So we may actually go stay there again. Well, um, yeah, as soon as the borders place. open, if as soon as the borders open, I'm there and I want to conduct a spirit, I call them a spirit session, which is a live mediumship session, but where we're bringing tourists to come to the place as well um, yep. and just have a big event as well as an yep. investigation as well. But I would not be able to hold the investigation because I don't do investigations. Yeah. Um, yep. But I would be interested to see um, your more so your historical perspective and to understand the history of it would be so cool to understand from someone who is just so into the history, regardless yep. of the haunt. The history is crazy juicy. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that's I'll one question. Definitely watch that episode when you good. put it up. Good. Yeah. Um, and then the second question is I want to do, uh, I've been wanting to go to Tassie. I've got another client down there as well. I've been wanting to go mm-hmm. to Port Arthur. It's on my bucket list to do when yep. borders open. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard that you're doing a Tassie tour. We are. We are doing a Tassie tour. And I just happen to have the pamphlet right here. Well, so tell us all about a, it. It's a paranormal holiday Oof. in Tasmania. Um, so there's a, a fitness group here called Athletica here in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman who runs it, Rob Code, he's right into ghost hunting. And he's travelled around America. He went to a lot of the ghost hunting places that Ghost Adventures went to. He met Nick Groff as well. Wow. And... Last year, we were supposed to go over for a paranormal holiday um, with the public to America, and we were actually going to go to Winchester Mystery Museum, and we were going to go. We God had a, damn, COVID. Um, yeah, COVID <laughs> killed it. Um, we had a, a the USS Hornet, which is a massive aircraft carrier at San Francisco Bay. We had it for the night. We were staying on it overnight, investigating the whole thing. And then we were weaving our way down through Tonopah and all these other places down to Vegas, and we were going to Zach Bagan's museum, um, and that was where we ended. But obviously COVID killed that. Um, We still are going to do it. We just don't know when. Yeah. So in the meantime, we were like, where can we go where we can do something on a smaller scale um, in Australia where COVID might not be such a big issue? And obviously Tasmania is where we've chosen. So in January next year, we are going to go to Tassie, and we are doing a whole heap of different places. Uh, we're starting off in, I believe, Hobart, um, but things can change because um, we have book places, but we don't know how COVID is going to affect things. So the dates are going to be the same, but the order of the um, itinerary might change. So the itinerary is online on the Athletica website at the moment. So we are going to spend two nights in Port Arthur, um we are doing the ghost tour the port arthur ghost tour we're going to richmond which is 
actually has the oldest jail in Tasmania. It's older than Port Arthur. Um, and without giving away too much, because some of it's a bit of a surprise when it all happens, um, I've written a couple of tours. So I'll be leading tours through haunted places for the guests who come. So the public can come with us. Um, and your the money you pay pays for your accommodation. It pays for all the transport. Um, a big chunk of your food is paid for. Um, not everything, though. Um, otherwise, it would have cost an arm and a leg. It would have cost way more than what we've budgeted for. But, yeah, we're going to um, Sorrel. We're going to Oatlands, which is where there's a big um, a big windmill, big stone windmill that's now a gin bar that's haunted. Um, we're going to Cascades Brewery and doing the tour through there and having lunch at Cascades. Um, Port Arthur, we're going to the Isle of the Dead there, um, which is a little boat cruise, and the Isle of the Dead is just this giant cemetery on an island. And one of the ghost stories there, um, because I've spent many, many hours in the last month or so researching for this event, um, one of the really cool ghost stories there is that there used to be a grave digger, and he lived on um, the Isle of the Dead in a little wooden cabin. And we're talking, we're talking about the 1880s, and the army. So it was basically the English military ran Port Arthur. It was a jail, um, but the military were there as well. And this guy was out there 24-7, seven days a week, except Saturday night. Um, the Red Guards would go over there, the guys with the red suits, red jackets, pick him up, take him back to the jail so that he could go to church the next day. And then after church, they'd put him back on the boat, row him back over to the island, and he'd be there for another week. And that was his only human contact other than digging graves. Can so you that's imagine? all he did. His, yeah, it would be a horrible life. He used to grow his own vegetables. He had chickens, and that was it. That was his whole entire life. So one night he wakes up, middle of the night, the building's shaking, all the interior of his cabin is red, absolutely freaks out, runs out of the, the, the cabin thinking the building's on fire because it's red. As he runs out the door, Satan is standing there. What? Eyes are burning, smoke, big horns, absolutely freaks out. He goes, runs to the shore, sets his fire beacon on um, to bring the guard over. The guard come and get him. And by this point, he's just insane. Um, and he's just babbling about Satan being there. And Why? people have said ever since that Satan haunts that island. And it's the devil himself. So very dark place. You're um, like, I can't we are, wait. <laughs> <laughs> we are going there. So, yeah, we're going oh. there. and um, Yeah, all these other places, Sorrel, Richmond, um, Ross. How long How long's the tour? Uh, five days. It's not, it's not a long tour. Um, that was to keep the price down and, yeah. you know, just to try and compact it a bit, but every <laughs> single day is loaded with activities. Um, Damn. from the moment you get up is, you know, we're going to this place and we're doing this tour and then we're going here and we're going to investigate this building and then we're going to this. And then, you know, we tried to make it as interesting and with as much in it as we possibly can, um, within those parameters. So yeah, it should be very, very interesting. Well, um, Listeners, it sounds like something that it's it's if, if you can make it happen, make it happen. Drive there, swim there, catch a boat there, fly there, whatever you can do. Because if I can, I'd love to be there. That would be awesome. It was my 40th birthday this year and it was right on the cusp of everything starting to shit itself with the latest yeah, COVID situation. Yeah. Um, and I got to skydive with my boys, which was really, really cool, which I've done before, but I got to do it with my boys. They're old enough now to do it. So it was next level, but I've still got this itch that I want to do something big. Like I want to do something yep. amazing. So that, that sounds yep. like right up my alley. Oh, it should be good. Um, as I said, if you get on the Athletica website, I think it's just, um, www.athleticahq.com.au. Yep. And up the very top, it should say Tasmania Paranormal Adventure. Mm -hmm. You click that, you'll see the itinerary. Um, and, yeah, there's, like I said, there is tons of stuff going on every day. Um, and Rob will be the driver, so he'll have the bus and we just all get on the bus. And while we're driving to places, I'll be telling you stories. We get there, we do whatever it is that he's got planned. Um, we might invest, we're investigating Willow Court Asylum. That's another yep. thing we're doing, um, which is the main mental asylum down there. Um, but, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um, anyone who's a ghost hunter is welcome to bring their own equipment as well um, if they want to use their equipment for EVPs or whatever they like. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds like a trip of a lifetime. Well, the America trip sounded like a trip of a lifetime, but Tasmania yeah, sounds America just as good. One. American one would have been fantastic. I mean, yeah. there is nowhere else in the world you can have an aircraft carrier overnight and sleep on it 
um you know and the whole thing literally you can go up on the deck see san francisco at night from the deck you know i don't know where else you could get that experience would you do queen mary i would love to do queen mary yeah, yeah but that's not in the area where we're going to do no, so what, what our plan is is if if that had have happened if the ghost adventures one had have happened and all went well and everyone was happy we would have went to the other side of the coast and done something the next year on the other side of the coast so if tassie goes well we will probably do more Tasmania ones, but we might do a Launceston one. Um, and we're considering possibly doing, you know, Victoria, or we might go to Perth and do something in Perth and, you know, go through there. And um, Rob's very knowledgeable. Um, he's got a great team of people. And, you know, Karen and I have our side and he has his side and it's kind of come together. And again, fell into my lap, wasn't something I was looking to do. Um, but we get to have a holiday as well and we get to do what we love while we're on a holiday, you know, history and ghost hunting. So how can it go wrong? Did you meet your wife ghost hunting? Was she into ghosts? It's <laughs> funny story. <laughs> I was out ghost hunting at St. John's Cemetery, the one I was talking about earlier in Nikapunda, which is very, very haunted. And she happened to be out there that night. Her mother at the time was a ghost hunter. Um, and a whole group of ladies had come out there and we ran into each other in the cemetery. Um, <laughs> it was love at first sight. <laughs> yes, and we wandered off to what was allegedly the ghost's grave. Um, it's not actually the person that people think it is. And I showed her how a millimetre works um, and then we got talking and then six months later I proposed to her on the very spot we met in that cemetery. <laughs> so, yes. Where did you get married? Uh, in a Catholic church in Kapunda. We didn't <laughs> get married in the cemetery. Everyone always asks us, did you get married in the cemetery? No. But weirdly, we became the, the caretakers best. of that cemetery for a little while too. Oh, um, so what a the, great this, story. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a great little cemetery. Um, and, yeah, we got married in a Catholic church and still together, still ghost hunting. <laughs> <laughs> um, she she probably She probably gets ignored quite a lot in the ghost hunting world actually and, you know, she has her own take on things and she's just as good an investigator as anyone else that's out there. Um, she goes more into crystals, mm-hmm. um, hoodoo and voodoo and the the religious side of things, so Catholicism side of things. She's actually at university as well studying religion at the moment um, cool. and all different aspects of it. So, But because of who I am and what I'm known for, she kind of gets pushed to the side yeah. by other people when ghost hunting. They just go, oh, that's Alan's wife. But she's just as legitimate ghost hunter as anyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's many, 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 many out there who just aren't recognised and Australia doesn't really seem to promote them much, but that no. might change, might change. Oh, never know. Um, we, we have the full poppy syndrome here, though, in a big way. We do. As soon as, as soon as someone, you know, ascends to those levels, they just get cut down by everyone else, which is yeah. unfortunate, you know. It is, and that's why I'm raising my three mini versions of me to be (laughs) people of acceptance and just to be who they are from the get-go so that the people around them know who they are from the get-go and everyone's just who they are. And and I I feel the tide changing. I think we're we're probably at the forefront of of sort of of recognising that happening and the bit of the shifts that are happening. But you know what? Like it's just fun. It's a fun way to live. I love it. Yeah, it's so much fun. Well, Alan, thank you so much. This has definitely gone like a whole hour over. Um, So we might have to break it down into two episodes, which I don't think that I'm going to have a problem with that. I don't think our listeners will too. I have loved this chat and um, maybe one day you and I can meet at Parramatta Jail. Yeah. If if you're ever up here. I haven't been to that jail. I've been to Parramatta, but I haven't been to the jail. But, yeah, I would love to come and have a look. Yeah, definitely. I've read a lot about it Mm -hmm. Um, and about Parramatta's history too. It's very, very dark history. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up there for a little while and I've done a couple of tours there and it's intense. It's intense. Very. But, yeah, if you're ever up this way, please, like I I am all there because it's a I want to go, but it's about, it's got to be, it's got to be the right, right people easy. around me to do yeah, it. Right and energy, like you yeah. said, it's, it's a very, we tend to keep to ourselves about the letting people in because it can really upset the whole show. Yep. Yeah. 
So Alan Tiller, thank you so much. Um, I have just felt like the luckiest girl in the world to be able to sit down and talk to you for two hours all by myself. Sorry, Laura, kind of not sorry. (laughs) I didn't have to share you. Um, We're going to share everything about you in our show notes. So if anyone's got any questions, they're going to know how to reach out to you. And um, yeah, just anyone that's listening, tell Alan that we sent you from the podcast so that he kind of has a bit of a frame of reference. And Yeah. yeah, if you're interested in the Tassie tour or Alan's new book or even the online tour that you mentioned um just check it all out because it's all there and it all sounds freaking awesome (laughs) thank you very very much for having me you're welcome all right you you take care and I'm sure this isn't the end (laughs) if you'd like to send us one of your ghost stories or if you have a question for me or for Laura send us a gmail at tospsychic at gmail.com Follow us on Instagram at turnsout underscore she's psychic and over on Facebook at TOSP podcast.